0: Friends.
1: Friends. Hello, and welcome to Molly's Sleazy Friends, a podcast where I bring on my sleazy friends and ask them questions about how they got so sleazy. <laughs> uh, today, my guest is... Ira Madison III, writer for The Daily Beast and podcaster Supreme, soon of the podcast. Keep it.
0: Hi, Molly. Hi,
1: Ira. Um, We're recording today from the Little Everywhere Studios in beautiful Atwater Village, California. Very just catty corner from the rallies (laughs) where I go sometimes because I like those spicy fries.
0: I like coming to Glendale every so often.
1: We're not allowed to refer to this as Glendale.
0: It's not. <laughs> I like coming to Atwater Village you every so Atwater often. You love Atwater Village.
1: <laughs> you like the, uh, the falafel. Everybody likes that one falafel place. Yeah, I like that place. Yeah, me too. Oh. Um, I like Proof Bakery. I like that bookstore. I like Counterpoint Books. I go there a lot.
0: I haven't been there.
1: It's great. It's like one of five used bookstores left in Los Angeles. Okay. It's uh, it's pretty sad that there are so many not any bookstores anymore because...
0: Um, Amazon Books just opened, Molly. <laughs>
1: is that the one that's in the Century City Mall?
0: Yes. And I was there and um, first of all, I was shocked to see like an Amazon Books in general, but also the Century City Mall is... Gorgeous now.
1: Yeah, I heard they made it over. Let's just talk about the mall for a minute because this is Uh, where this is my wheelhouse
0: They finally (laughs) Redid the mall. I feel like the mall has been like under construction for the past three years
1: I'm the person who loves to go to the mall when it's under construction (laughs) So I went there a few months ago when it was like just completely ripped to shit and Mm -hmm. they were putting it all back together And I loved that because it was just guts and like two things were still open there was like a Sephora and there were all these people working inside the Sephora to set it up, but it wasn't open yet. So they were like fending off all these people that kept like trying to open the doors. They're like, no, we're just an illusion to torture you. We're like that Prada Marfa store. We're not a real store, it's just an art, an art store. Um, but uh, yeah, I, my friend just said and she said there's an Amazon Brick and mortar store, which sounds like a like a Black Mirror episode. Yeah,
0: um, I love the idea of them putting bookstores out of business, and then being like, you know, it would be kitschy if we opened a bookstore.
1: God, um, I mean, I even like going to the big chain bookstores that put all the little bookstores out of business, and no, I those love are Barnes and Noble. Gone- yeah, me too.
0: The 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 only two left in existence i guess yeah at the um galleria yeah and at the grove
1: yeah i go to those a lot because i like to just uh be in a big chain bookstore it's
0: nice you know like you go there and like i feel like we just don't really have that space anymore where like people are just sitting around reading or they're, you know, like... It's a public social space. That's yeah. the thing
1: about all these places is they're not just about, like, the function of what they do. It's, like, they're hangout spots. Yeah. There's always a crew hanging out really heavy at the Pete's in the Galleria, at the Pete's Coffee. <laughs> There's, like, a bunch of old guys in tracksuits who just, like, that is their fucking hangout. That's their spot. But I love it that they go to the one, like, in the mall. Yeah. Like
0: I guess if you're there, <laughs> I don't know what else is in Glendale <laughs> to be honest um
1: there's a good, there's Hot Wings cafe there's uh what else is in Glendale uh Fish King a very good Japanese deli okay. uh laser tag
0: love laser tag.
1: Glendale's just like a fifties it's a fifties suburb yeah, style <laughs> um it's very weird and David Lynchy, and that's what I like about it.
0: Yeah, and that huge mall. I like it more. Now that I live in Silver Lake, um I try and go to the Galleria and the Americana oh, yeah. more often. Um although it's weird because like where my apartment is is the exact same amount of miles to get <laughs> to the grove versus to get to it's the galleria. Equidistant. <laughs> yeah. Uh but I try to go to the to Glendale because I just like I like the restaurants at that mall
1: better. That's my pleasure drive. Like, if I'm trying to clear my mind, I just take that drive. I just drive to the Americanos, like, where I naturally go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I went there, on like, last week, and then it was, like, unexpectedly very crowded, and I realized it was because people had a day off for Veterans Day.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't realize how many people had that day off either until I was, like... Trying to go to the movies. Right,
1: trying to do something, and you're like, oh, everybody's out today on Friday.
0: (laughs) Um, You know what other mall is under construction? Do you like going to the Beverly Center?
1: Um, I haven't been in a million years, but that was, like, the first mall I ever went to a lot. It's Um, currently,
0: like, under heavy construction still.
1: Yeah, I'm really into how they're trying to turn all the 80s malls into modern malls and, like... (laughs) It makes me sad because I love an 80s mall, you know, yeah. like, but that's what I love about the Americana is that the Galleria is connected to it. So if you want to go to the Americana, you can still just like go to the 80s mall. Yeah. Two. And uh, that one is just as crowded all the time. It's like the only non-dead 80s mall.
0: Yeah. It's super crowded. Uh, the only time to go is like in the morning, like Also, it's, like, weekday.
1: you want to go to an indoor mall when it's, like, really hot or inclement out. That's, like, what the point of having an indoor mall is. Because I've been to the Americana when there was, like, actual weather disasters happening mm-hmm. and people just walking around trying to be, like, it's pleasant. Like, my computer died, and I kept bringing it to the Apple store. And there was that day that the hills were on fire.
0: Oh, yeah. I was at the... I was there one time at the Americana, and it was, um was it like a hundred degrees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is abysmal. <laughs> this is
1: insane.
0: <laughs> just running into each store. They're like I, I like, spent like we've... I feel like 40 minutes in Sir exactly. Just like looking through knives.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was there and it was literally raining ash out of the sky and people are like, look at the fountains. Like this is nice. Um because we pretend it's like seventy degrees here every day, but it's actually been like a hundred degrees. Yeah. A lot.
0: No, it only this week has it gotten back to like normal weather. This week for has LA. been
1: amazing. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, I love winter. I love LA winter. because
0: There's nothing I love more than like LA when like you can put on your like your jacket. Your, yes. Your jacket <laughs> where people bring out, you know, like the the knit caps I always say sweaters. this but like
1: I didn't know what a scarf was really for until I lived on the east coast <laughs> cause like people would wear scarves in the fall in LA to like signify that it's fall you yeah. know it's like oh it's like a little chilly I'm gonna wear this scarf but then like when I lived in New England I was like oh, you need a scarf because your neck is, like, freezing cold.
0: But, like, a real scarf and not the kind that we wear (laughs) Yeah,
1: not, like, a light little cutie (laughs) scarf, like a (laughs) polar fleece, like, seal your neck up so that the cold, like, can't get in because, like, if it gets in, you're fucked.
0: I feel like winter clothes in L.A. are the winter clothes that get advertised on TV because whatever you see, like, oh, Old Navy New Jumpers are, like, people with... um, scarves and advertisements they're always just like the smallest ones (laughs) and they just look fashionable and they don't look warm but that's what we wear here
1: no you need to like wrap yourself in a mattress to be warm (laughs) anywhere that it's actually cold you need like 500 layers but then like if you have too many layers you start like sweating on the inside too it's Mm. a nightmare uh that i am not equipped for yeah um speaking of nightmares that we are not equipped for
0: I know what talk this means
1: about um, Taylor Swift's new album, Reputation. Miss Tay, Miss Tay,
0: bad girl Tay She's a bad girl,
1: <laughs> but she's still a victim. <laughs> um, I saw you were quoted on because you know she has like her whole media narrative about this album was that like the media is so mean, mm-hmm. she's so good, and the media is so mean and so unfair that she has to sue them all. Yeah. Um but there was a post cuz she put these posts up with all these positive reviews of the album and everybody was like oh she hates the media so much but she was putting all these positive reviews up and so somebody on oh no they didn't the live journal community that aggregates gossip that I still post on um Put up, a, made some like fake ones of, of mean quotes about the album, and yours was first.
0: Oh my God, which quote?
1: It's just a quote from you being like, she doesn't, know, like, are you a bad girl? Like, what are you doing here? Make up your mind.
0: What's funny is that I also enjoy the album. Yeah. And so like she very well could have found a nice quote in my GQ piece. Well,
1: some of them some of the nice quotes that she posted there were also like mean quotes in those reviews. They, you know, people were just like is she only getting fed? Yeah. The nice parts of every review which, you know, maybe Probably. Probably. Uh, what are your feelings about about reputation?
0: You know, I've always been actually sort of a Taylor Swift fan to be honest i liked her when she first came out with her songs um you know like the well i liked the you belong with me era i didn't really know that earlier like um you
1: didn't know love story
0: you, uh, oh i knew love story okay but before that like the the what was it tim McGraw song or whatever like that
1: was like that was the first yeah, era. love did, story yeah. was her cross yeah. crossover break i career. got the crossover
0: one i didn't know her like um faux country i grew up like in the south um her
1: fake country fabricated
0: story that she had
1: although to be Uh, fair parts of pennsylvania sort of are the south basically
0: okay uh i didn't know all of that so like yeah love story i was like okay this is like you know a fine song because i feel like those songs were out in like or like late 2010 yeah
1: they're like perfect for what they are
0: yeah um And so then Red came out, and I was like, oh, this is actually a really good album. Um, And I loved 1989, but circa the release of Red through 1989 is, I feel, when everyone started realizing that she herself is just awful.
1: Well... I think it's it's not that I think she's awful, it's that I think she's a very controlling person, obviously. Yeah. But then she does all this stuff to go out of her way to like obscure the fact that she's incredibly controlling because mm-hmm. she's like afraid. Like what what does bother me about the album is I'm like just kind of what you were saying, you're like be a bad girl. Just yeah. own it for like one second. There's like this part where she says like they're burning all the witches even if you aren't one. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, be a fucking witch. Yeah.
0: Like they're burning all the witches. Um, So come and get me. Yeah. Like just say that.
1: Being like, even if you aren't one is like because I'm, you know, everyone knows like I'm really a great person. And you're just yeah. like, no, just f- be, be a bad bitch for like one second. Mm-hmm. Be like not worried that someone might think you're like a bitch.
0: And here's the thing, you know, it's like I it's funny, like looking at her as like very controlling of the media and stuff, because like we don't mind it when people like Beyonce do does do that, you know, but it's also like you see a reason why Beyonce does that, because one, she's a black woman who whenever she releases a song, you know, like conservatives are like oh she's racist like she hates cops you know stuff like that and she also has children that she wants to protect from the media and then she also has like the jay-z drama so it's like you see why she's withdrawn and she chooses to just put out um a certain amount of herself but for taylor so much of it just seems to be like she's hiding herself from like legitimate criticism of her music that she puts out.
1: Right, well, it seems like she can't handle criticism in any form, which is just, like, I think does happen to people when they get to a certain amount of fame where it's, like...
0: She's that awful person in your MFA class who's like, (laughs) I can take it, I can take it. And then when you get to the first class and anyone says something about their script, they argue with you, and then they, like, cry afterwards.
1: Well, it's also, like, she was precocious... This is like a aspect in which I relate to Taylor Swift where you're like, she was precocious and like now she just has to be like a grown up woman and she like mm-hmm. really doesn't seem like she wants to do that, <laughs> you know? Um, and so in a way it's like she kinda stalled out at a certain point. Nineteen
0: eighty nine showed that where like it was supposed to be like this new adult progression for her, but like her entire tour and persona were about how like She was just hanging out with her girlfriends and the squad. And, like, it seems so weird looking at this, er the reputation era, coupled with, like, that one. Because that one was just so much about how, like, all I have are friends. Everyone's my friend. Every female celebrity in the world is my friend. And now it's, like... I've been in hiding. No, I don't have any friends.
1: You thought the album, but that was like her whole campaign for that. was like me and my girlfriends are so carefree hanging out in (laughs) these carefully curated situations with my like beautiful friends representing a bunch of different Victoria's Secret models. (laughs) Um, And then the album was all about Harry Styles. Yeah, It wasn't about being carefree with your girlfriends. It was about like an obsessive romance, which is what all her albums are about, which is like her strength.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I love about Reputation. I feel like the songs that like are about romance and like being melodramatic, I'm like, this is great and fun. But I feel like you said like at some point she got obsessed with like everyone like picking apart like her writing about her romances and yet, she still compulsively does that with, like, the Joe stuff and, like, that thing with Tom Hiddleston that, like, we're never going to get to the bottom of well, until, like,
1: those are the best songs 20 on the years album. from
0: now. Um,
1: That's what I thought was interesting is that, I mean, the singles were all really bad.
0: Very bad. There are um, better songs on this album.
1: But then I'm like, the single, like, I hated Shake It Off. Mm -hmm. I hated We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, which was the lead single from Red, which made me think Red was going to be, like, really bad and juvenile. And then Mm -hmm. Red is her best album because Jake Gyllenhaal was her best muse. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is you're like the album is kind of – it, like, lives and dies by who the guy is and what he inspires in her. And Mm -hmm. it seems like – this album is, like, she found, like, a stable relationship, and it makes for kind of a boring album. Mm-hmm. And then the best songs are about, like...
0: She's addicted to the muse. She's
1: addicted She's addicted to the D. Yeah. Um. She, yeah, she has that fake uh, that fake Hozier song at the end.
0: Uh, the gospel uh, song. New Year's Day?
1: No, the other one, the oh. Don't Blame Me.
0: Oh, that one, yes. Oh.
1: And then I remember she went out with Hozier for, like, one second. Yeah. Maybe, uh...
0: No, and I feel like this one, too, is just too – there's too many, to be honest. She took a break, and so it's like this album is simultaneously about Joe, Calvin Harris, and Tom Hiddleston. So it's like – and most of those seemed relatively, like, fine as
1: relationships. Well, it's, like, not as mean as you want it to be. Yeah, it's
0: really like she's lashing out at how – the media wrote about her relationship with Calvin Harris. Yeah. Which get over. (laughs) (laughs) She and she and Katy Perry have this very annoying thing of like being obsessed with like for for an era where like gossip moves so quickly and like the news just like keeps going on. Like they're almost like I love when people compare her to like Trump and stuff, like as a joke, but it's like Katy Perry and Taylor Swift are a lot like Trump in the sense that like they have these things that have stuck in their mind and these are the only things they keep talking about and they refuse to move on.
1: Right. Except that Katy Perry denounces Trump and Taylor Swift won't do it and doesn't want us to talk about how she won't do it. And that is the thing that makes her actually evil.
0: Yeah um
1: is cuz she just wants her coin and, she... and her
0: ACLU letters where she's like she completely denounces white supremacists and I'm like girl where
1: right and then <laughs> she's like well cuz her fans cuz like I've had her fans come after me and they come after you exactly the same way that like all right people come after you which is just they do it in like endless waves until you're so exhausted and wish you had never said anything right
0: they t- cause they tag Taylor Nation. Yeah. Um, and the the Taylor Nation um, account then six them all on you. Yeah. And it's weird that I feel like they were – what's funny is, like, how dormant they were during <laughs> the Kim and Kanye stuff yeah. when, like, people had legit reasons to drag her. And now that the album's out and people have moved on, they're, like – they're back in full force. And I'm always, like – it's weird how these Taylor Swift fans are real people, but they sound just like bots. Well, so they may be... Who knows what they're, they... Actually, she, they, she could have bots. Yeah.
1: They're definitely <laughs> a mix. Um, they behave like bots. She bought fans from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> who knows anymore? Every... You know, her fans yeah. are all replicants.
0: But uh, yeah, I mean, Katie did denounce Trump, but then like... For someone who denounced Trump and like is like, I'm looking to the future, like... Maybe, I don't know, maybe it was Hillary losing or I'm something, saying, but like, she is mired in also like these songs about Taylor and like the yes. entire witness. Um, I feel like the reason that her album did poorly too is like her entire lead up to the album was about like how she was still feuding with Taylor Swift. And yes. it was like, no one cares about
1: this Nobody anymore. cares. She and Kanye and Taylor all need to like just dead it because nobody cares except them. Right. It's like it's like on uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills when people were talking about whether or not Yolanda had Munchausen. <laughs> just like, it goes on for so long. You're just like, it's doesn't
0: Munchausen matter is. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was, it's literally like a bad Real Housewives storyline. Yeah, but story they just line. bring it up
1: over and over again and you're like, give us a new storyline. Everyone's bored of the storyline. It wasn't that good to begin with.
0: It's why I like Atlanta slightly more than Beverly Hills, because Atlanta seems to film from till they get a storyline, and then they edit and give you a clear story. Beverly Hills seasons start with the women just sort of like hanging out, and then a story will randomly appear in episode nine. And then <laughs> it'll keep going until the finale. It was like, the Munchausen was two seasons ago. Last year, it was Erica and the panties. It yeah. was like, why won't this go away? It's
1: because there's no other plot lines. So they're yeah. just like, we'll repeat this until it becomes, you know, <laughs> you were talking about this. Because um, they
0: really don't have any, like, lunatics right. on um. Uh, Beverly Hills, as of, right. except for like Lisa Rinna.
1: Right. Well, Yolanda was a lunatic, but she was like a boring lunatic. You know?
0: <laughs> My love. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they needed um, brandy. Yeah. Because brandy, you need this is what I realized about the Real Housewives. We'll just talk about Real Housewives a little yeah. bit, and then we'll go back to talking about how Taylor Swift is a wine mom yeah. now. <laughs> I bet she loves to fucking relax with some wine and a, <laughs> and a little Real Housewives.
0: Um, speaking of, um, <laughs> Kara Brown and um, Jane Marie. Um, apparently, Kara told me that she and Jane discovered that the Real Housewives of Dallas um, are constantly drinking um, barefoot Pinot Grigio, and apparently, it goes down like juice, <laughs> um, which is why the Real Housewives of Dallas get insane because they're clearly just downing like this wine that they can't realizes getting them drunk until like they're an hour into it
1: that okay so real housewives (laughs) of dallas which had its second season just ended is like it has emerged as maybe the strongest in the franchise right now yeah um because everyone's crazy
0: literally everyone's crazy even the even the people who would normally be like the protagonist or like the boring person on the show is, is slightly insane. But Stephanie should be boring, no. but she's also like her crazy husband is buying a home with yeah. like a pool, a pool in the, in the, center the of it. room and she's like creepily like has this weird relationship with
1: Brandy. <laughs> here's what makes it the best is that I feel like I hadn't seen this in another one of the housewives. They're all like trapped in 50s marriages. Like on the other Housewives, it's like, you know, they have husbands and they all end up divorced or getting cheated on because the franchise is a curse. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, they have like careers. They're like, you know, even like Kyle Richards is like, I'm a perfect housewife, but I also have like my boutique. They have like, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, little like stupid careers. But on Dallas, it's like their husbands are like, you're not allowed to have a job. You know, because it's like so 1950s. It's like no wife of mine is going to like work out of the house and like have her own vanity boutique. (laughs) Like you take care of the children and that's all. So they're like super repressed and angry and like in this Betty Draper hell world.
0: It's weird because it's like it seems like it's the first. Conservative one. Mm-hmm. I know Orange County, like all those bitches are like Trump voters yeah. and like conservative but people. They're still, but they're still, it, they're like it's, it's Trump Cali- voters who
1: smoke weed. Yes, Cali- they're, they're <laughs> yeah they're Southern
0: California. Yeah, you know. But this is like, yeah, it's like Carrie um, is with this man who like hates her child, <laughs> wants, and it's weird. The weird thing about this one is that like he's the reverse of the other husbands like he wants her to work and not pay attention to their children. Yeah,
1: he's like well he's like we have a money. This is what we have money for is to pay someone to raise this child so you can come work pro bono for me at the plastic surgery clinic all the time.
0: Right. And but then you have like
1: But also he gets his dick sucked at the roundup. <laughs>
0: Leanne knows the boys who did it.
1: <laughs> and you know that she does and that he fucking does. That's the thing. Leanne, Leanne is a fucking light of my life.
0: She's beautiful. And what she and when we were talking about Brandy earlier, um every housewife series is sort of like a um it's sort of like a season of Buffy where you know you have like the big bad who comes in and it's like that's what makes or breaks the season and I'm like the housewives big bads always have like short shelf lives Um, but then sometimes if you don't replace them with someone else then the show can falter like Brandy's gone from Beverly Hills Um, and before her it was Adrian Um, and now Beverly Hills doesn't really have someone who's like
1: right because erica jane's not really like a firebrand she's like a small town conservative girl pretending to be like a sexy give no fucks person
0: and lisa renna's wild but like everyone loves her lisa rita is a lot like kenya on atlanta like very entertaining but she's not ever gonna be the person that like at the reunion, everyone is against this. Well,
1: person. there's also like sometimes somebody is Andy Cohen's personal favorite, and you know they're just protected in a way mm-hmm. that you know, like if Bethany wants Jill Zarin never to come back, like Jill Zarin's not going to come back even if it would be good for the show at this yeah. point. You know, there's like somebody that like.
0: Thank God for Lou last season because I'm like, there was really nothing else going on. Uh, in that was the greatest plotline
1: in the world, though.
0: Yes, it was beautiful. <laughs> it's what made the season great, because when you look at it, like, nothing else really happened in New York last year.
1: What I was saying about New York is it's, like, it is sort of like if Sex and the City went on for five more decades, you know, <laughs> where you're like, what is it like for women in their 60s to date, you know, and mm. they only have these, like, three rich guys to choose from who date all of them, apparently? Yes. Um, But also, it was just like, I, you know, the thing about New York, especially, is you're, like, they 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 get older but they never mature in any way they mm-hmm. never like learn any lessons so like luann actually had become tolerable from being divorced she had become sort of like more down to earth and mm-hmm. fun and then she like got a boyfriend and did that thing where she was like fuck the rest of you yeah i'm better than you because i have a boyfriend now and you're all single and sad and like <laughs> i'm taking this tr- right to the top um But you could also see that it was going to crumble the whole time. So it was like a very suspenseful uh, and great season. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then they trapped them on a boat, like knife in the water. They were like, also, let's get them drunk and like confine them to a space for the finale.
0: And that's also why Dallas worked so well. I feel like Dallas second season, like the greatest hits of every housewife trope you love. Like Leanne is the crazy, like she's sort of like a mix of like a brandy and like early um Danielle from Jersey. Yes. You know, it's like I don't know how long Leanne can remain on the
1: show. They to throw be in honest. a working class wild card. Yeah. That's what they do on every <laughs> franchise, mostly, <laughs> except maybe Beverly Hills. I don't know if anyone no, Lisa Rinna probably clawed her way up. <laughs> but Um like Bethany. It's like they, they have all these rich people who have rich people problems and then they throw in somebody with like real legitimate trauma in their life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then that person flips out because they're like.
0: Yeah, you people are nuts. You people are nuts. Um, and she actually has the probably the healthiest relationship with a man on the show. Like her and Rich seem lovely.
1: I have never been touched by a proposal before in my life, but I was, like, touched by him proposing to her at the fucking state fair because yeah. that's—she uh, grew up as a carny. That's Leanne's uh through line is that she was a carny. She grew up, and she, like, was—her mom abandoned her, but then they would, like, spend summers on the carny circuit together. Yeah. Uh And then her husband proposes to her at, like, the—
0: it was beautiful. And it's like the season has her. The season hit all the women being drunk on a boat. They hit the trip. Uh they had the um like a dinner party from hell. Like they a costume they, they, party? Yeah. They created a dinner party from hell, by the way. Because they had another party and then <laughs> clearly it they were like there's bad. not there's not enough drama at it. So Everyone had to leave that party and go downstairs to sit around the table <laughs> so they could argue with each other.
1: That was so confusing. <laughs> They're like, okay, the engagement party's over. Now let's go to this dinner party yeah. in the basement. But also because it's Leanne, you're like, she might like lock them all in there and then yeah. just like knife them <laughs> because she keeps talking about how she might, you know, knife somebody. Yeah. And you believe her because she's fucking a tough bitch for real.
0: Yeah. I love how an actual through line is like people wondering if leanne will actually just kill one of them because people keep
1: being like she's exaggerating but then she's like oh and also if you tell anyone what i said about how he gets his dick sucked at the roundup i'm gonna slit your throat (laughs) and this slit your throat just becomes like serious yeah um i also love there's another brandy brandy uh on dallas who is a ginger Mm -hmm. ex-cheerleader ex-dallas cowboys cheerleader Um, And she is like, I love her because she she would be boring if there's just something about her that's so weird. Mm -hmm. She sounds boring, but then she's just like
0: she's also I don't think she gets enough credit for how she is making the show work this season, too, because she is so committed to it. She is bouncing back and forth from Leanne to Carrie to Stephanie. And every interview is full of life and every conversation she has. It's very like. Oh, well, she told me this. She's you know, she's spurring weird, the drama. She
1: talks in this little baby voice, and then she says something crazy. And she and Stephanie also have all this sexual attention. Yeah, yeah. That they really talk. I feel like more in the first season where, where Brandy would be like, "Haha, wouldn't it be funny if we just, like, kissed each other? Yeah. <laughs> what if we just, you know, we were dating, Haha. And you're like, oh, my God, what if they were? They'd it's be a so show much happier.
0: that has so much beautiful potential that I can't wait until we're in like <laughs> season five of Dallas.
1: Brandy is also she's a redhead and she's married to a male redhead. And that totally freaks me out because my, <laughs> just because my brother's a redhead. But also like they have these, you know, they're like two redheads and they made these redheaded children. And they've been dating since seventh grade. Yeah. And she's like the the quarterback dumped me. So then I dated this other guy on the football team to like get back at him. And now we're married, and we have two children. And like the husband's just like always on a business trip.
0: Yeah, I'm like, who is he sleeping with? Everybody. Uh, it's what's also beautiful about it is it has ingrained in it like the stuff that really makes a housewife franchise work, like history that exists before the show. I love that Stephanie and Brandy's husbands are, like, best friends. And so I'm looking forward to, like, their relationship eventually just, like, crumbling.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of, like... Or maybe
0: the husbands want to be together. That's what
1: I'm saying. There's a lot of weird... It's very, like, Peyton Place. It's very, (laughs) like, steamy with repression in a way that the others aren't, you know? You're like, these people are fucking repressed because it is the South. They are, like, weird white people cameron oh god she was a fun a fun addition (laughs) (laughs) why don't you tell tell the listeners about her plot line
0: her plot line is um she's obsessed with pink things and she was trying to launch a pink dog food line
1: yes uh her plotline is so frivolous, but there's something about it. I don't know what it is. It's like whatever cocktail of drugs and and booze they are all on makes them all have just hilarious like
0: her obsession with like weird etiquette is, yeah. is like sh- maybe you should be on Potomac
1: <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of like society stuff that yeah. is very weird. And, you know, people are like, you're going to get kicked out of society. Like Leanne is very preoccupied with being accepted into the world of like high society and charity balls and stuff like that, which is because she like clawed her way up from the fucking (laughs) (laughs) tilt-a-whirl. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're always telling her, like, you're just, you're going to go back there, you know? You're not really part of this world. You're going to fucking, we're going to leave you at the carnival where you belong.
0: I clawed my way up from the tilt world and <laughs> no one's going to spin me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no one's going to vomit on me this time. That part where she's like, she was born with a silver spoon in her mouth, but I was born with a corn dog in my mouth.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, she was, up <laughs> I was born with a lot of things in my hands. But they're not knives. They're just hands. <laughs> but they work quite well.
1: That part, and everybody was like, are you threatening that you're gonna like have a knife hand? Like what right. are you even
0: and she had to be on so many like drugs like from the doctor before she was getting her plastic surgery? Because it's like, who has ever heard the phrase like she was born with silver spoon in her hand? <laughs>
1: Well, she does it later. Maybe she was trying to go for the, but I was born with a corn dog in my mouth, but instead she's like, I don't have my hands on knives. They're just hands. (laughs) Also, her husband's gay.
0: Yeah. Um, And then, you know who I really like, though, is Deandra. Yes. I I like the concept of like, it's just so... um,
1: it's dynasty. It's, yeah, it's
0: so dynasty. It's so like Days of Our Lives.
1: Her plot line: she's Just like a career <laughs> woman, and then her mom owns like a cosmetics company, and she won't she won't uh, cede control to her daughter.
0: Yeah, it's like it's literally like watching The Young and the Restless. Yeah, uh- <laughs>
1: the mom's also crazy yes! looking because she's got that old timey plastic surgery mm-hmm. where you like have the new layers of plastic surgery on top of like your eighties facelifts and stuff. Yeah. so she's a no face.
0: Yeah. Um. And it's just wild, like, wanting her to want... I love how her um, D'Angelo storyline with her stepson just sort of went away. Yeah. He was like, I don't have time for this crazy show. Yeah.
1: Her emo <laughs> son is like, I don't really like my stepmom.
0: Yeah. She's um, like,
1: that's because I'm really mean to him all the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but I love her, and I think that she could become sort of like the matriarch figure in the show. Like, yeah. The common sense narrator. The yeah. way that Cynthia has become this year on... Atlanta.
1: You think Cynthia is the common sense narrator? I mean, Cynthia, in a way, is the most relatable and down to earth of the Atlanta Housewives. I she guess is. now that you mention it, like Candy's just, supposed to be, but Candy- I feel like Candy's
0: too busy opening a, a different business each season, and I don't have time for it.
1: <laughs> She's an entrepreneur.
0: <laughs> also, where's Phaedra? Phaedra really should have still been on this season.
1: Um, you know where Phaedra is. Yes,
0: she 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 has
1: been banished.
0: They should have gotten rid of her. Like during the season.
1: Well, that's the thing is you're like how far will they go? Uh my friend Tess Lynch won't watch Housewives anymore because after that season of Beverly Hills where that woman's husband killed himself, mm. she was like they don't care if someone dies. And that makes me feel gross and I was like, well that's kind of all reality TV
0: that's every reality show but in that
1: show like I rewatched it and they really just breeze right past it
0: yeah they're like
1: oh her husband's dead now so she's dating
0: someone could kill themselves on the challenge and MTV would still air that show well
1: they'd be like fuck yeah for ratings
0: (laughs) (laughs) it'd be like who kills themselves tonight
1: (laughs) do you remember when that happened on Megan Wants to Marry a Millionaire yeah when there was like one of the winner turned out to have killed his ex-girlfriend yeah and you're like yeah I feel like the vetting processes mm-hmm. for people that so want to be on reality well. shows are not like you're sort of have to be crazy to want to be filmed all the time you
0: have to have priors
1: <laughs> but they don't check very yeah. well to uh, see you think uh, you think ann has got priors
0: probably yeah she's I mean they keep referring to her having stabbed people <laughs> um, I love um no yeah the concept of like just these people being crazy
1: oh my god speaking of stab
0: oh yes (laughs) scream
1: (laughs) the segue just appeared out of the air (laughs) um we were gonna talk a little bit just to close things out about a movie series ira and i both love uh that has sort of been in the news recently which is the scream movies i love
0: these movies yes and my favorite is scream Two.
1: Oh, yes, which I want you to talk about. Um, Scream has been in the news because of Miramax and because a lot of people involved in the Scream franchise are also involved in the Miramax uh, stuff that has all happened. Um, and so we both rewatched all the Screams recently and like noted that Scream 3 is all about a evil
0: Harvey Weinstein, an an evil Harvey Weinstein character. Yeah. And the backstory is that like uh, Nev Campbell's mother was like raped at this Hollywood party by like a bunch of men, and that um, she was passed around yeah. because
1: she wanted to make it in Hollywood, and an evil pig producer took uh, advantage of her. <laughs>
0: And Roman, the son who ends up being the um, killer in three, like he's the son of one of these men, and we don't know who it is.
1: And it's very badly expositioned. It's
0: it's, hor- it's horribly expositioned. It's like it's all revealed in like the last fifteen minutes.
1: Um, Scream 3, which is sort of roundly seen as the worst of the series, I think. uh, I actually really enjoyed it watching it this time. I watched them all. I decided to watch them in reverse order, meaning I started with 3 and then did 2 and then 1 and didn't do 4 because I saw it kind of recently again.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I enjoy 3. I've always... It's weird, like, I feel like the fan base always differs between, like, acknowledging three is a bad movie, but also acknowledging that it's really fun.
1: There's some really fun parts in it, it definitely fares better if you don't watch the first two before it, you know? Yes. If you just come at it on its own terms, um, it's it's got some good stuff in it. Parker Posey is fucking hilarious, mm-hmm. she plays the Courtney Cox character in the film within the film. Yeah. Uh, Jenny McCarthy plays, I guess like a riff on the Rose McGowan character.
0: Yeah. It's funny because it's like we're used to we're used to bad sequels to horror movies and like some of them always have differing like um you know, like expectations and some of them are good and some of them are bad, but it's rare to have like a slasher film where the continuity continues through all four movies. So it's sort of like You know, you're watching it and it's like, oh, this is following the same story. You know, it's not like a, you know, um, Friday the 13th or like a Nightmare on Elm Street where they just like get rid of like cast from movie to movie.
1: No, I mean, I also love that uh, Sydney is like this haunted person by three, you know, Mm -hmm. like in the first one, she's a regular teenager and her life gets ruined. She's like a regular teenager trying to escape her traumatic family stuff. And her life gets ruined. And then in college, it's like she's trying to have a normal life and be a normal person. And it's just like it's never going to happen. And then in three, she, like, lives alone in the woods with a guard dog. And it's like, I can't engage in society because, like, everyone I I touch gets killed.
0: And four, I feel like. The problem with 4 is that it doesn't really delve into Sydney's psyche after that, you know? It takes place with these new kids and stuff and I'm like, if you're going to give us a new world like then Sydney should have re- really shouldn't have been like a part of that if we're not going to like find out more about her, you know? I feel like the one really good moment in Scream 4 is um before she was traumatized, she was horrified, there's like one glimmer that moment where um They're all in the window and they watch the friend get killed across the street. And Sydney's there with the two girls. She sees it and she runs across the street to the house to confront (laughs) the killer and, like, gets in a fight with the killer. Like, I feel like that was the natural progression that we needed to see in four. Like, a movie where, like, these killings are happening in another town. And Sydney just shows up, this badass, and she's like, I'm going to take care of
1: it. I also feel like the subtext of Scream 1 is that Sydney is gay. Um, And I base that entirely on the fact that she has an Indigo Girls poster as the main poster in her room. (laughs) Uh, And she really doesn't want to have sex with her boyfriend at all. Yes. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I feel like Nev Campbell also has been, you know, like all these 90s actresses saw all this traumatic shit happen behind the scenes. And so you do also think, like, what did Nev Campbell know about Miramax by, like, the time they were making Scream 3, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, she's also in that documentary, uh, Seduced and Abandoned, which is the James Toback and Alec Baldwin documentary. Uh. That's, like, a true nightmare uh, that they think is, like, this romp about... uh, going to try to sell a movie at Cannes, but it's actually about how, like, the movie industry is all these, like, lecherous old men with money uh, having yacht girls at Cannes, and they have, like, Nev Campbell attached as the star for the movie they're trying to pitch, which is Last Tango in Paris, set during the Iraq War, starring Alec Baldwin making love to some beautiful young woman. And it's supposed to be Nev Campbell, and she's like at this meeting, like, great, that sounds great. I can't wait. I'm so excited about this project. And then they're pitching it to people, and everybody's like, she's old. Who else you got? I don't wanna fuck her anymore. Like, who else are you gonna get that's gonna make me wanna finance this movie? Cause I wanna see somebody fuck them on screen. Um, and it's a fucking nightmare, you know? Cause you're like,
0: that's gross. Uh- it's
1: so gross. And like, Nev Campbell, you, you're just like, what kind of careers could these actresses have had?
0: Was it an update of Three Tango in Paris? Of what? Last, last Tango in Paris?
1: They never made it.
0: Oh, it was an update though, right? Yeah,
1: that's what they wanted to do.
0: Um, was she, that? well, that John's my memory, is Ned Campbell in the movie Three to Tango, though? Yes. With Matthew Some... Perry and <laughs> someone else?
1: No, wait, I think that's Salma Hayek. Am I crazy? I'm mixing up my Matt Perry, '90s rom-coms.
0: These are just so. Three to Tego is it is Nev Campbell. Huh. It's it's two guys. Is that
1: a Miramax it's, movie?
0: It's uh, it's Nev Campbell, Matthew Perry, and Dylan McDermott.
1: Oh yeah, he was heavy in the the rom-com. The other guy in the rom-com circuit.
0: No, it's a um, Warner Brothers pick.
1: Oh, huh. is it good?
0: Um, I don't
1: remember it <laughs> um you know what is the best nev campbell movie other than scream It's wild things
0: i love wild Things. i love
1: wild things so much i think it's such a great movie and that's a movie where they were like let's just keep making them we can make any softcore movie and call it a wild Things sequel <laughs> that's uh it'll it'll get picked up
0: um i do have an affinity for the craft though
1: Oh, right. I forgot she's in The Craft. She's in a bunch of good nineties movies.
0: The Craft and The Craft and Scream come out in the same yeah. year. Yeah.
1: Oh, that was a big year for me, personally, as yeah. a as a Nev Campbell <laughs> fan. No, I mean she was in all these like cool witchy movies, and they're all she's very good at playing like fear and anxiety. Yes. She plays like introverted well, which I think is hard to do. But again, it's like you just think about all these actresses, and you're like, oh, a lot of these people, like, they the, they stopped being in movies, and you didn't necessarily know why, and now we know why, and it's real depressing. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know? It's like, that's how I feel when I watch Stranger Things, you know? Like, I just, I have such an affinity for whatever a writer. Oh, right, because cause you just feel because like... Because I love, because Heather's is also my favorite movie. Yeah. And, you know, you think about just how, like
1: that they kicked her out for shoplifting and let you know mel gibson other people like that daddy's
0: home too big box office i'm like fuck Uh, off
1: no but i mean you know we all love winona ryder that's why she was so amazing too when she shows up in black swan
0: yes she's so good and she does fear and anxiety very well too yeah just, like, get her and Neve in some sort of Women in Panic movie. Oh,
1: yes. But I'm also, like, if all these people need to, like, step away from the business to, like, preserve their own sanity, that's fine with me. Yeah. You know? Like, I remember Winona for a while was, like, living in San Francisco and, like, going to, like, book readings and stuff. And I was like, you know, she seems like a person who could, like, live in regular reality and maybe prefer that to. Yeah. The nightmare world of uh, being and stuff all the time. I'm not a stranger things fan uh, personally.
0: I enjoy parts of it. I really loved the first season.
1: I um, uh, did not care for it and d- I could not.
0: Doreen not and I be. called it white excellence <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs>
1: also like male boring like yeah like i don't care for spielbergian things about like being a little kid little boy little white boy kid who's like men
0: white guys love making those kind of movies yeah and, and, it's and we've always made
1: like, enough of them and we should stop we have like, enough
0: it's also like we have steven spielberg
1: right like He's i don't need to throw back to that like fucking make one with like some some girls and like non-white kids and like then it'll be i'll be like fine
0: there's so many of those to do yeah
1: like that's what i'm saying like give me give me like an it remake with like an all black cast Mm -hmm. instead of like just having the one token black kid in the gang like in a stephen king book yeah there's just a lot of things you could do that they don't do yeah and i'm just like we don't need to like go back to the 80s like nobody who actually lived through the 80s like misses it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> yeah it wasn't was like, pretty dark it
1: was fucking so dark like i'm not like ooh like 1984 what a great time. i mean like i was one but still i know that it's like yeah it's like the reagan years <laughs> all nostalgia is poison is the point point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that show is just nothing but like
0: except i kind of really like dynasty now
1: oh i heard that you like dynasty now um talk about the it's new... just
0: fun and silly that's great but it's not anything like you know what it is did you like to did you like 90210
1: the new 90210 yeah. yeah i mean i liked it for a while
0: it's that basically
1: i feel like the cw like some of those shows know what they are and that's why i love riverdale yes. you know because riverdale i mean like everything i'm saying to about fair, Stranger things think... you could say about riverdale and i still
0: to be fair i don't think the writers know that they're writing a awful show it's not riverdale it's
1: not awful it's just campy and it's like it doesn't i guess my problem with like almost all prestige tv is like when it pretends it's not campy because it's like we cost so much money we can't be camp even though like nothing is campier than game of thrones you know it's like if that show was low budget or, like, didn't have an HBO, you know, if it was on the CW, people would just be like, it's fucking Hercules, the legendary journey, you know? Yeah. It's just like. Oh, I miss that. Riverdale knows Hercules it's camp. And Xena oh, knew yeah, they were camp. Sh- That's what I'm saying. They knew what they were. Damages and,
0: knew it was camp.
1: Yeah. Like, a show that doesn't take itself too seriously, and that's like a little, a little silly, you know? Because, like, even Gossip Girl got like two up its own ass and like became really pretentious about like. You're just like, this is a fucking stupid show. <laughs> like, yes. Be what you are. Be a soap. Most shows... Yeah, I mean, you write really well about soaps. I love when you write about soaps.
0: Yeah, you. You know, yeah, I wish more would just be a soap opera. But
1: that's that, what Game of Thrones is. Yeah. They're all soaps, and I you think... You just need
0: to get it on a big network and yeah. then, like, have a different setting.
1: Well, that's what's so brilliant about the Housewives franchise is that they totally, like made made mm. the soap the modern
0: soap and people are like oh what'll be the next game of thrones i'm like whatever show decides to remake i think david milch had this quote once where he was like um every show is falcon <laughs> Um and it's like the next game of thrones will be whatever like show that you take like an 80s primetime soap opera and stick it in a new setting like, this is just dragons and, like, medieval, like, war stuff. And, like, you could do that anywhere, though. Okay, like,
1: what about a show where we're, like, detectives in a convertible with, like, silk scarves? And then we go fight dragons. <laughs> Cagney and Lacey <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch the fuck out of that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like whenever a show is popular or successful, people try to copy the formula exactly and it's always like it's not the next show isn't gonna right. be just like that show
0: yeah it's like The Sopranos um, was like oh you know what'll be hot The NBC does this a lot there was The Sopranos and then so they tried to make The Black Donalds, oh, god. and yeah. it flopped <laughs> Mad Men and then they tried to make The Playboy Club
1: which I watched every episode of
0: <laughs> all two <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, that show was a Housewives tie-in because it starred Eddie Cyprian as the fake Don Draper uh, whose name was Nick Dalton. And they all would say his name a lot to try and make it sound, like, iconic and, like, everybody knows who. Like, it's, he's, he's not mm. Hugh Hefner because Hugh Hefner also exists in the world of the Playboy Club. But they'd yeah. be like, Nick Dalton, what a playboy that everyone knows. He's woman's man.
0: Oh, Eddie Cibriano.
1: <laughs> and he's such a, such a locks. But it was him and Amber Heard, and they were, like, the two most beautiful people who it doesn't matter if they can act because they're just, like, to be looked at.
0: I love that we have the... The um, hot, slightly hotter Eddie Cibrian who can act on Riverdale.
1: Oh, yeah. Mark
0: Consuelos.
1: Yeah. I love him. I love Mark Consuelos.
0: Also, like, can we get his wife... Um, yeah. Kelly well, on the that show. was also those. Were the, I love them on all my children. That's
1: what I was gonna say. Those were the years of all my children that I watched. I like had oh, a brief. Mark and Kelly. Yeah, I had a brief all my children phase, and I also feel like soap opera actors are like the least pretentious people in the world in a way, you know. And that's why I like worked so hard, right? Like Eileen. Uh, Davidson, who was on Beverly yeah. Hills, was, like, a little too boring for the housewives because she's just, like, a hardworking soap actress. Mm-hmm. She, like, knows she's fucking D-list. She's right. not trying to be anything else. She's just, like, I live in the valley and right. I, like, get reason, to go to work every day.
0: The only reason Lisa Renan does so well is because she's also just crazy.
1: Well, she's crazy, but also soaps will, like, always take you back. Yeah, They can always kill you and unkill well, she's, you. She's, ba- she's back on Days of Our Lives. Right. That's she's not She's
0: taping again now, so... Good it's, for her. It's insane. I love it, and I love she and
1: her husband Harry Hamlin.
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what we need to do. You know, like if you want the next Game of Thrones, you need to take what always works in TV: a soap, a warring families, and you know some illicit love at the center of it, um, and then just like give it a fun setting that we haven't seen before.
1: Yeah, I feel like nighttime soaps will come back. They, they, endure. they always do.
0: Yeah.
1: Um I also enjoyed The Melrose Place reboot a little bit too.
0: Honestly, I wish that were still on.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll just go watch regular Melrose Place again. Same. <laughs> but yeah, I uh I think I think we'll enter a new era of nighttime soaps. I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today, Ira. It's Thank nice you for to see having you. me. And check out Ira's new podcast, Keep It, on podcast network, Crooked Media, coming soon or already out. Uh, see you next time. Happy holidays.
0: friends. <laughs> <laughs>